Design Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Paul Smith is one of the world's leading experts in business storytelling. It's big today. He's one of Inc.'s Magazine's Top 100 Leadership Speakers of 2018, a storytelling coach and best-selling author of the book Sell with a Story and Lead with a Story. He has also Parenting with a Story, other books, and he joins us. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. We're very happy to have you. These are almost like two little children here. Sell with a story and lead with a story. And they're, they're very reasonably, you know, nice books. And uh, there's no fluff here. And uh, do you have like a favorite child here? Which one do you like better? <laughs> Well, you know, it's actually one of uh, three children, if we're going to use that analogy. Uh, with, I've got a parenting with a story as well, which is kind of weird. I, I certainly didn't set out to write a trilogy, but it, it seems to have turned out that way. Um, and uh, I, the lead with a story was my first. Uh, so in some ways, that'll always be near and dear to my heart. But the uh, the parenting one is actually the most personally meaningful to me because it's a bunch of stories about uh, kids learning lessons of character traits, et cetera, that, that we want our kids to have. And so maybe that was the most meaningful to me. Yeah. And we can't get enough of stories as kids. We crave, please, mommy, daddy, you know, tell me a story. Mm -hmm. But then as we get older, we want to hear more stories. And you see like explainer videos on websites, you hear TED talks with storytelling. And it seems like, uh, you know, do you, is, are we just discovering this more now? No, I, I, I think storytelling, it's obviously the oldest form of communication known to man, right? We've been, we've been telling stories since we've been scribbling pictures on cave walls. But um, there has been, in the last couple of decades, a resurgence of its use in, in the business and professional world, uh, which I think took a hiatus for a while, especially when we, you know, uh, business schools started cranking out very, you know, analytically minded business leaders 
we kind of walked away from storytelling, uh, you know, and opting for a more left brain type communication methods. And we were slowly starting to come back to the wisdom of, you know, at the end of the day, you still need to tell a compelling story that resonates with people. And so it's, uh, I think it's making a resurgence, not that it's just coming onto the scene by any means. Yeah, unless you really connect with a story and, uh, you know, you're not really going to, I guess, win people over per se, but it's uh, it's big in business. You mentioned parenting and uh, really every walk of life. And it seems like people who are really successful are good at telling stories. And so others should learn how to as well, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And And unfortunately, it's not one of those skills that you typically find in a you know, a college curriculum for people studying, you know, business or engineering or whatever. And let, me stop you, let me stop you right yeah. there. Those professors should take a course, your course, on how to tell a story. Yeah. They don't always connect either. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, they, they don't. And that, that's one of the ways you know the difference between a great teacher and one who's just average is, a, you know, an average teacher is going to get all the facts in front of you, but great teachers, you know, create a story that makes it memorable. Um, but there are actually some more f- of the forward-thinking business schools now are starting to incorporate storytelling into their curriculum, but it's still not very common. And so if you want to learn it, you need to go, you know, read a book, you know, like, like these or take a, uh, a class that's just designed for storytelling for, for professionals uh, in the real world, which is also what I, I spend much of my time doing. So we have a lead with a story, a guide to crafting business narratives that captivate, convince, and inspire. We also have sell with a story and uh, how to capture attention, build trust, and close the sale. So what do these two books have in common and how are they different? Yeah, so what's common is largely the techniques of storytelling. So like what's the, the structure of a story? You have a context, a challenge, a conflict, and a resolution um, uh, you know, there needs to be emotional components in the story. You, you need a surprise either at the beginning or the end. You know, certain narrative arcs, you know, parts of the narrative arc like that uh, are going to be similar between the two books. What's different is what stories uh, the, the book is talking about telling and, of course, who the target audience is. So for a, uh, somebody in a general leadership position, the kind of stories they need to tell are to set a vision for the organization or, or lead change or define the cultures and values of the organization or uh, help people value diversity and inclusion or, or just in, to inspire the group or to get them to be more creative and innovative. So those are the kind of things leaders of any size organization have to do. And there are specific stories you can tell to accomplish that. Whereas uh, a sales or marketing person, the kind of stories they need to tell are the kind of story to to build rapport with the buyer and then uh, to explain how the product works and maybe a story to explain how it was invented and um, uh, uh, what I call a problem story that explains uh, the problem uh, that that your product or service solves. You know, maybe another story to help resolve objections or, or one to negotiate price or one to create a sense of urgency to close the sale now instead of a year from now. So it's it, the storytelling techniques are very similar, but the stories that you need to, that you'll learn that you need are of course going to be very different. I imagine it does something to the brain as far as, I don't know if there are any scientific research done on this, you know, as far as what a story oh, yeah. I'm sure there are because I'm sure either serotonin levels or something to that effect, because whether we see movies, you know, with stories or television or whatever it may be, when you think about it, really, like everything is is a story. Even people who gossip are telling a story, (laughs) if you will. But uh, how interesting, though, it must captivate something in the in the brain uh, as far as just um, I mean, what do you think about all that? 
Yeah, so th- there have been a number of uh, interesting studies about how and why stories work. Um, the the conclusion of many of them is it comes down to this. It turns out that human beings don't make the logical, rational decisions that we think we do, right? It turns out that much of our decision-making happens unconsciously and in a part of the brain that's really responsible for more emotional processing. Um, but because it's unconscious, then a, you know, a few nanoseconds later, after we've unconsciously made this decision, the conscious and rational thinking part of our brain justifies the decision that we just made you know, in some logical way. So we leave a decision, you know, I, I, I think I bought that fancy red sports car because it's got great resale value and, you know, whatever. But really the truth is I bought it for selfish, uh, unconscious, emotional reasons because I think I look sexy in it or whatever. Um, so uh, it, it turns out if you want to influence people's decisions or behavior or attitudes um, or, or opinions, in other words, leadership, it turns out you need to speak to both parts of the brain because decisions are made in both places. And when we just tell people logically and rationally, you should go do this because, well, because I'm the boss and I'm telling you to, or because it'll be in your best interest, or because I got a sale going on in this right now, or whatever the logical reasons are, that's about half the equation. If you don't give them a real human emotional reason to understand and to do what you want them to do, if if you don't give them that, you've really only influenced half their brain. And stories do a good job of speaking to both parts of the brain and just telling people what to do, you only speak to one. We're going to find out in just a bit how to actually tell a story, of course, your expertise. And uh, are you a David Letterman fan at all? Uh, in, uh, I don't think he's on the air anymore, but back in his day, yes, I, I definitely was. Well, we have a right here. I mean, I have page 11, uh, the top 10 most compelling reasons <laughs> for telling a story. Number 10, well, you know, if you're on page yeah. uh, 11, you know, we could do it together. But storytelling is simple, number one. Okay, we're supposed to go backwards. But number two, storytelling is timeless. Also, uh, stories are demographic proof. Everybody, regardless of age, race, or gender, likes to listen to stories. Number four, stories are contagious. Number five, stories are easier to remember. Number six, stories inspire. Seven, stories appeal to all types of learners. And I'm not stealing your thunder. I'm just reading from your book. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> stories fit better where most of the learning happens in the workplace. Number nine, stories put the listener in a mental learning mode. And number 10, yeah, if we had a drum roll, you know, yeah. uh, telling stories shows respect for the audience. Do you want to add to that? Yeah, you know, I've, I've got a similar list in, in my last book, but it, it, it's largely similar. The one I think that deserves a little expanding there is the one about making things easier to remember. So there have been a number of studies that show that facts are somewhere between six and 22 times more likely to be remembered if they're embedded in a story than they are if you just give them to people in a list. And so if you want somebody to remember the message that you're leaving them with, if, if the facts can find their way into a story about it, they're far more likely to remember, uh, remember it a year later than they would be if you just give them, hey, here are the three most important things I want you to know today. What would the world be like, okay, if everyone bought your book? All right, like lead with the story and also- I think I'd be phenomenally wealthy for one thing. (laughs) All 7 billion people, I could probably retire, I guess. (laughs) I think people should get it though. Lead with a story and sell with a story. And so what if we all learn how to, what kind of world would it be if we could all tell a good story? 
You know, that's, a, that's an interesting question for leadership and parenting and one-on-one sales between professionals. I felt very good about the, the, that I think the world would be a better place if people could do those things better and do them in a more human way. And, a, and storytelling is a more human way to do that. Yeah, you know, and the movie companies have figured that out, like Disney and Pixar, who know how to tell great stories, and the parents will come out for that, also the kids uh, as well. But I was thinking, just forgive me, I'm not really off course here, but yeah, I was thinking about the U.S. Open, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm a big tennis fan, Serena Williams, you know, there was a whole yeah. story and a meltdown at the U.S. Open, uh, and nobody was talking about Naomi Osaka, who won the U.S. Open. The mm-hmm. story was about, you know, it, a couple different things, uh, you know, umpire, sexism, uh, you know, equal. Op- but the thing is that it created a story that people wanted to talk about. So I found that interesting that even though the main goal, how could it be bigger winning the U.S. Open? That wasn't the storyline. Right. Yeah. And, and the reason is because every year there's a winner of the U.S. Open, right? Mm-hmm. That's not that new or interesting, but every, not every year do you get you know, the, you know, the incident with Serena Williams and the, you know, the, the referee reacting the way he did and all. Yeah. The, the story was new and interesting. Every, some, every year, somebody wins the, you know, the, the open. So. Well, that's true, man. You got, you got us back on track. That's good. <laughs> I was going to say too, that, you know, are we, do, do people think that we're, we're too boring and that there's uh, not enough discovery that goes on, the unique factors that make us who we are. And, and if we do, and you could teach us how, we can actually all tell stories. Yeah, so are, are we boring? Well, um, I speak for myself. Yeah, I, I think I can be boring at times. <laughs> I mean, we're all, we're all boring to somebody sometime. You're not boring now. <laughs> well, good. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, ask my wife or kids. I'm sure there are times that I'm, I'm boring, but usually not when I'm telling a story. Um, and be, because... I, well, I've spent a long time thinking about and studying and trying to master that craft. Um, and I think uh, great stories can make us all more, more interesting. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about your background? I mean, these are really sizable, beautiful books that you've written. I mean, no fluff, everything, and it's going to help business people. It's going to help uh, just any walk of you could think about, you know, when it comes to wanting to sell or learn about storytelling. But what, what's your background for this? Yeah, so I my first twenty five or so years in the business world were were fairly typical. I would I would say I I mean I um, I studied economics in undergrad. Uh, my first job out of college was for Arthur Anderson and Company. For those of you old enough to remember who that is, that's now Accenture, you know, consulting company. Um, then I went back to school and got my MBA, and then uh, uh, Procter and Gamble hired me, moved me to Cincinnati, Ohio, where I still am. Uh, in Cincinnati, and I spent the next 20 years working for for Procter and Gamble in various levels of of management, uh, in both finance and accounting and consumer research. And I, I, in fact, my last role was the director of consumer research for about a six billion dollar global business unit within oh. PG. And uh, and but that was about five years ago when I left to do this full time. That's about the time my first book came out. I just I just became fascinated with the this. Uh, the concept of storytelling. And, and like I said, there were no classes I could take to learn how to do it better. But I clearly, by that time in my career, had recognized how important that skill was to becoming a, a good leader. So I kind of set out to learn it on my own. And I, I ended up interviewing CEOs and executives and leaders at hundreds of companies around the world. I think I'm up to 300 one-on-one interviews with these senior executives now. Um, and, and I'm asking them questions like, you know, what situation are you in when you tell a story? What story did you tell? 
and did it work? <laughs> and so each, each person that I've interviewed has given me, I don't know, eight to 12 different stories. So you do the math and I've, I've literally documented 3,000 individual leadership, business, sales, marketing type stories so far. And that's allowed me to reverse engineer my way into what works and what doesn't. And the, the learnings from all of that research is what become the content of the books and, and yeah, the I, training classes I teach. And I think it's important to mention that both books on Amazon are number one bestsellers. Yeah. So both of them hit number one in their category. Uh, the first one in business communication and the sales one, obviously in the sales uh, category. Th those things change pretty often and pretty quickly, but uh, they, they did enjoy some time in that top spot. Paul, I want to ask you as far as where, what are the areas where we need more storytelling? You talked about parenting, obviously, you know, um, are there other areas that you see that there's a hole and uh, need, that needs to be filled with storytelling? Well, I, the, the leadership bucket is a really big bucket that encompasses a lot of things. Um, in fact, originally, the way I wrote the first book, there's a whole chapter just on sales. Well, now I've written a whole book just for salespeople. Um, so that leadership area covers a lot. So, you know, I think I said setting a vision and leading change. But, you know, it, it's, it's even some of the lesser, uh, the, the less common things or the things that don't come to mind as quickly, like, um, like how do you get people to be more innovative? Uh, or how do you get people to understand the, the customer on a more personal, visceral level? Uh, how do you do better problem solving at work? Um, how, do you get, how do you get people to love their job again? Um, you know, how do you get people to, to have the courage to tackle that next really big task that they're kind of afraid to go do? I mean, all of those are, are situations where storytelling can help you be more successful. So, uh, are all of those different areas or is it all just called leadership? You know, I, I, I don't know, but um, just about every, every area of our professional and personal lives, I think there's areas storytelling can help. You know, and we, I didn't even talk about the ones for personal, but like in the, the, the parenting book, um, it's things like uh, teaching people ambition and open-mindedness and uh, curiosity and learning, um, you know, self-reliance, uh, you know, hard work and grit, you know, how to, how to uh, you know, uh, become a self-made person, um, having self-confidence, um, uh, learning about uh, money and delayed gratification and not just spending everything that you can, you know, get on your credit card today, uh, um, having a positive mental attitude, um, uh, uh, character traits like fairness and justice and patience and kindness and humility, uh, you know, all of those you know, forgiveness and gratitude, mm. you know, there's a chapter on every one of those in the book. And so in just about every area, I think of, of personal and professional life, uh, stories can help you, uh, be, be more successful period. Yeah. I think people are, are tired of, I guess it used to work back in the day, you know, people talking at you. Mm -hmm. more an authoritative type of stance. And that, that goes for, in, in, I should say, employers as well. We probably want people to talk with us and include yeah. us, right, in, in the storytelling. So in addition to the other attributes you mentioned, like vulnerability, I'm sure you have to get with some of these executives that, hey, you know, you're going to have to be a little vulnerable with your employees yes. if you want to win them over. And so is that a struggle for, for them? It, it is. And the way you become vulnerable is by telling a story about one of your biggest mistakes, right? And, and that works because people want to work for a boss who cares more about their employees' growth and development than they do about protecting their own ego, right? So you, you, people don't want to work for a boss who all they do is talk about how awesome they are, <laughs> you know? You <laughs> want that boss that says, look, here are the three biggest mistakes I made in my career. The, the, the second one almost got me fired. Let me tell you, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to hear that story? 
right? Everybody wants to hear that story because they want to avoid making those three mistakes, especially that number two that almost got them fired, so that they don't almost get fired, right? So, and you do that through a story and that's, that, that's letting you be vulnerable because yeah, some jerk could take that information and just, you know, do, do, I don't know what to it with in today's, you know, social media environment, but you're taking a risk in sharing these, uh, self-deprecating, potentially embarrassing stories about yourself. But what that does is it teaches other people lessons and it shows that you are more interested in helping them grow than you are again about your your own, uh, hiding your own or protecting your own ego. When did you first get interested in storytelling? I mean, did something happen to you or you, <laughs> I mean, were you, just, uh, uh, what is it about story? Because it's, again, these books, a lot of research went into it. They're very helpful mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a big way. And so, uh, yeah, how does uh, storytelling uh, personally touch you and, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think it was because, and again, I'm probably a slow learner, but it took me the first 15 years or so of my career to finally figure out that storytelling was an important skill set. And I guess I did just by watching the leaders that I admired the most in the companies I worked for, the, the kind of people that I wanted to both work for and be like when I grew up in the company. And it turns out those people, I, I finally realized they have this gift of being great storytellers. But they didn't teach me that in my Ivy League business school. And they didn't teach me that when I joined the company in new hire training class. And, you know, so I, I tried to learn it on my own. And I, I read do- literally dozens of books on the topic of storytelling for business. And I still didn't know how to do it. And that was, that was really frustrating. And that's what sent me off on that journey that I told you about of interviewing all these hundreds of CEOs and executives. Uh, and at some point on that journey, I said, you know, gosh, if I want to know this that badly, probably other people do as well. So it stopped just being my own personal learning journey and turned into a, a book project. Do you have a, a favorite storyteller or is there someone in, in this biz that, um, that you particularly admire or has inspired you, someone who can tell a good story? You know, I, I, I struggle answering that question because, you know, a lot of people that have a, they already have an answer in their head. Oh, I think uh, Steve Jobs told great stories or, you know, whatever. They've got a few famous uh, executives, but, but most of the best storytellers are not famous people. I, and I mean, storytellers in business, of course, you know, Steven Spielberg is a famous storyteller. Stephen King is a famous storyteller, but they're professional authors and professional movie producers, right? Uh, the, the best storytellers that you'll find in business are not famous people. The only way you would know them is if you worked at that company and you heard them tell stories. And so I, I, I tend to try and not say, oh, well, you need to be more like Steve Jobs. You need to be more like, because I just find that doesn't help. Those are, those are over the top characters with, you know, some really interesting personality things going on that most people don't find that, that they can emulate. Um, you can be an, a, 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 a non-famous uh, average person in a, in a company and still become a better leader through storytelling by adopting these tactics. So I, I came across lots of great storytellers in the interviews that I did with these people all over the world, and they're not the people you would expect them to be. So for example, um, the two of the ones that I, I thought were, were exceptionally good storytellers, um, one was Sarah Matthew, who was the CEO of Dun & Bradstreet. Hmm. And, and you've probably never heard her name, although you've obviously heard of her, the, the company. company yeah. And the reason I didn't expect her to be a good storyteller is because before, um, before being the CEO of Dun & Bradstreet, she was the chief financial officer 
of Dun & Bradstreet. And before that, she spent her entire career in finance and accounting. And that's just not a background that you expect somebody to come out of and be a great storyteller. You expect them to be great at math, I guess, right? But not a great storyteller. Um, same thing for um, John Bryant uh, was the CEO of uh, Kellogg's, the breakfast cereal company. Same story. He was, before being the CEO, he was the chief financial officer. And before that, spent his entire career in finance and accounting roles. He's just, just not the kind of background you'd expect to end up being a great storyteller. But he's fabulous. And there's stories about both of them in, in, my, in my books. Um, so th those are the better examples. They're not somebody you would have heard of. Um, but it's somebody in it with a similar background to you that just turns out they, they, they had that skill, but you can learn it. See, that's comforting for a lot of people. And I think, I think we would develop more depth and character. And maybe we would not only, you know, be better people, but we'd probably learn how to bond with other people. Because I'd have mm -hmm. to say that in the world we're living in, right, with the social media, we always blame social media. But, um, you know, I don't know if we've gotten to be better storytellers with social media, like Facebook, Twitter, and, mm -hmm. and, and LinkedIn or not. Um, but I know that we would have more depth. Because I think, you know, how people fear two things, you know, death, well, taxes, death, and, <laughs> and public speaking. But, but yeah. once people get up there, right, even the worst public speaker, there's something that you're giving. It is a gift to be able to get up there and tell a story. And somehow we grow because of that, you know. So maybe there'd be more growth. Uh, from that. And then, my, of course, my brain is actually ticking right now. So I was going to say one more thing. <laughs> well, do you think if we don't learn storytelling, could it be a detriment in relationships, marriages? And, uh, and where's the detriment with the uh, other areas like companies? Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm no personal relationship expert. Uh, you know, I think we all know intuitively that uh, having good communication with the people close to you is important to healthy relationships. I don't know that those have to be, there needs to be a lot of necessarily storytelling going on. There needs to be good communication going on between people. Um, uh, but, but it definitely is an asset in, in the workplace where you have to convince people to follow your lead and convince them to, you know, d dedicate their careers to accomplishing some objective or, uh, you know, taking on that new project or buying whatever it is that you're, you're selling. You, 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 uh, it, it's more clear to me where storytelling plays a role there. Now, with, with, with parenting with kids, I, I guess that one is obviously clear to me because you're trying to teach them stuff they don't know. Uh, and people learn through the experience of others. And that's what a story is. It's just a narrative of the experience somebody else had. So you can tell somebody, uh, you can tell a kid, don't cross the street. And, you know, you, you, all you've done is told them not to cross the street. But if you tell them about your cousin, Bob, who, when he was seven years old, ran across the street to get the soccer ball and he got run over by a car and killed, well, now you, they're not going to cross the street without looking both ways, right? Because now you've told them a story that's meaningful to them and it's somebody that they either knew or, or would have known about. And uh, gosh, that's somebody that's like me. I'm seven years old now. And so it, it's relatable to them the story is just going to be far more compelling. In it's that. true. I don't want to drag you into a religious conversation necessarily, but I want to say, you know, being a, uh, you know, somewhat of a Christian program mm -hmm. that uh, Jesus told, uh, he told great stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the oh. Bible is filled with great stories. People are surprised it's all about stories. And that's how yeah. he talks to us. Yeah. So, not, yeah, not, not, not a surprise at all. The parables uh, in the Bible are some of the, are great examples of storytelling. And in fact, a number of the people I've interviewed for some of these books are pastors. 
And, and I, I did that on purpose because they tend to be great storytellers as well. And for the same reasons, right? A, they're, they're often telling parables already written in the Bible, but even when, and you know, the best ones often share their own anecdotes or their own life stories that mirror what the lesson is that they're teaching also in the form of a story, which makes for a more compelling sermon. So I, my, in my experience, pastors are, happen to be great storytellers. So I like interviewing them because I, I get great stories. And just so you know, your methodology lines up with Jesus, just so you know, <laughs> because yeah. the woman by the well, I mean, Jesus did say, hey, you know, you do this and you do that. As you were saying before, he told a story and it affected her life and then it changed the lives of others. Mm-hmm. It was like this effect of everybody. I want everyone to know who we're talking with. Paul Smith, he is the author of Lead with a Story, a guide to crafting business narratives that captivate, convince, and inspire, and also Sell with a Story, how to captivate attention, build trust, and close the sale. As part of his research on the effectiveness of storytelling, Paul has personally interviewed over 250 CEOs, executives, leaders, and salespeople in 25 countries, documenting over 2,000 individual stories. Leveraging those stories and interviews, Paul identified the components of effective storytelling and develop templates and tools to apply them in practice. So his work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, not bad, uh, Inc. Magazine, Time, Forbes, Fast Company, The Washington Post, PR News, Success Magazine, and London's Financial Times, among others. Paul, take a bow. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll take a a virtual bow here on the radio. (laughs) So people are going to, now, if you could just say, you know, I'm sure it's rewarding uh, writing these books. So tell me, as far as just, uh, you know, the responses you get from companies. I mean, if you would just take us down memory lane, best case scenarios, uh, things that kind of changed you a little bit when you got an email or a a positive comment. Oh, you know, I I keep what I call a smile file. Um, And it's just, it's it's probably just what it sounds like. It's a collection of, of emails and letters I get in the mail that make me smile. And if I'm having a bad day, I can just open that up and uh, and read through a few, and and it makes me smile. Um, and 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 it's it's exactly what you you said. It's it's letters from people who either read my books or or come to my classes, and uh, and and what I did made a difference either in their professional or, or personal life. Um, but the the ones that I think I like the most uh, are are it's a set of them that came from a group of high school students from Greene County, Ohio, who. Um, who come to my house uh, once a year as a different set of kids each, each year um, for me to share stories with them. And I just, I, I tell them stories to help teach them uh, important life lessons. And uh, each time I get letters from them, each of them individually telling me what a difference it made and usually telling me some of their own stories uh, and backstories of, you know, how they, what their life has been like to this point. And, and as you might expect, they're, they're not always good stories. Uh, with with all kinds of challenges that I've never had to personally go through, so I'm I'm humbled by reading some of the backgrounds uh, here, uh, but very pleased to find that at least in a few cases, I've encouraged them to to move past some of that and pursue some of their dreams. and uh, And there's there's no better reward for a an author or a speaker or a trainer than that kind of feedback. So uh, that is a prominent place in my smile file. Okay, so I have two one question left. All right. And I say that right. last. Okay. <laughs> tell us what really is a good story. What can we do to tell a good story? Of course, the other, the other question is, is what's an example, you know, if you will, with business narratives? 
guess yeah. for business people. But what goes into a good story? It's almost like getting a recipe for grandma's uh, soup or something like that. You know, yeah, Paul, right here, give us the ingredients. Yeah, so probably for any story, the, the best, uh, shortest, most succinct uh, ingredient list would be a hero we care about, a villain we're afraid of, and an epic battle between them. Right. So you think, you know, Star Wars, you got your Darth Vader and your right. Luke Skywalker and the lightsaber battle, right? Good, bad, good and evil and a battle, right? That's the basic um, premise. But, you know, and I admit that sounds rather Hollywood. So if you translate that into more business friendly language, it would be uh, the, the hero you care about would become a main character that's relatable. So somebody in the story that uh, the audience can relate to, somebody that feels like them. Oh, that, you know, that, that could be me in that situation. Um, the, the villain they're afraid of doesn't have to be a, a person. It could be a, just a challenge, the, the problem they're working on at work or the, their, their, their competition at work or uh, even the photocopy machine that they finally get their revenge on, you know. Uh, so yeah. some, some, some challenge or obstacle, again, that's relevant to the audience. And then the epic battle between them just becomes an honest struggle. Right, so your audience for a good a story to be good, the audience needs to see some amount of real struggle between the main character and the the villain or the bad guy or the challenge. So as long as you have those three components, you're 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 pretty you're on your way to having a, a a great story. Now there are a lot of other things that I cover in the books and the classes about you know the exact structure and the eight questions I think your story needs to answer and techniques for adding emotion and surprise. Um, but at the core of it, it's those those three things. So um, so I've, uh, you asked for an example. Let me just, uh, I'll give you a short example of a story for, um, for sales. Okay. Um, and this is something that actually happened to me personally. Um, so it was a couple of years ago, my wife and I were at an art fair and she was looking for a picture for our kid's bathroom here at home. And we were going booth to booth and we got to this one booth of this guy um, named Chris Goog. And he, he's an underwater photographer and he just takes these mesmerizing pictures of coral reefs and sea anemones and all this kind of stuff. And she's flipping through his pictures and she gets just emotionally attached to one that to me looked about as out of place as a pig in the ocean. <laughs> read this part of the book, you know why? And that is because it actually was a picture of a pig in the ocean, a pig swimming right. in the ocean, <laughs> which was just insane, right? And pigs are not seafaring creatures. And so it just made no sense. So I eventually got my chance to ask the, the artist himself. He was in the shop. And when I got a chance to talk to him, I said, dude, what's with the pig in the ocean, Right. And that's when the magic started. He said, oh, yeah, Paul, it was the craziest thing. He said, that picture was taken off the coast of this uninhabited island in the Bahamas called Big Major K. And he said, apparently what happened was a few years earlier, some local entrepreneur decided to raise a pig farm for, for bacon, I guess. And he found this uninhabited island that he could keep the pigs on for free. So okay. he's no dummy. So he's, he put them out on the, this free island. It's an empty island. And he said, but look in the picture, look up back behind the pig, up, up back behind, off the beach. What kind of vegetation do you see up there? And I kind of squinted and looked at it and I said, well, I don't really recognize much there except the cactus. And he said, yeah, that's a problem, right? Pigs don't like cactus, <laughs> right? They, they literally, there was nothing on the island that they could eat. And he said, uh, you know, so the, the entrepreneur, I guess, wasn't that smart. <laughs> he hadn't planned ahead. And he said, well, good news was uh, a local restaurant owner on one of the neighboring islands every night was boating his kitchen refuse over to Big Major K and dumping it a few dozen yards offshore just in the water, you know, the, the leftovers from the kitchen. And well, pretty soon these pigs get hungry enough that, you know, they, they don't normally swim, but, you know, you get hungry enough, you do anything. And he said, you know, eventually one of them 
dog paddle his way or pig paddle his way out, <laughs> out into the water to get this food, right? And, and then, then there was two little piggies and then three little piggies. And, you know, here it is three generations later and all the pigs on Big Major K can swim. And so that's how they learned to swim. And in fact, when I went to take the picture, I didn't even have to get out of my boat because when you, you boat up to Big Major K, the pigs think you're the guy from the restaurant and they come swimming out to your boat to get the food, right? All I did is leaned over with my camera, took the picture, boom, done. So, you know, at that point, I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll take it, right? You know, so sold for cash, right? Um, and, and, you know, just ask yourself why. You know, that, that picture two minutes earlier was worth little to nothing to me. It was just some silly picture that made no sense to me. But two minutes after hearing that story, I had to have it, right? Because I wasn't just buying a picture anymore. I was buying a story that came with it, you know? And, and I thought it was an interesting story that had a, you know, it was a combination of a geography lesson, a, uh, you know, a history lesson and an animal psychology lesson all woven into one. And it's a story I like telling people. And if you come to my house and go to the bathroom, I'm going to tell you again, right? So, uh, that story made the product more valuable than it was otherwise. And so that, that's an example of, in, in, a, in a sales context, a story actually furthering your business objectives. You know, you telling that story, I just feel like getting with a, a cup of hot chocolate and and getting <laughs> like a campfire. I mean, no, because it, it makes you feel good. I mean, honestly, in the, in the end, and you know when you heard a good story, which you just told, it makes you feel good. It's mm -hmm. something like you get almost like goose pimples. Yeah, it's satisfying. Yeah, it's satisfying. And, and I was thinking too, and thank you for sharing that story, by the way. When, when it comes to uh, pigs that you mentioned, I, I was thinking that how interesting that we have all these uh, nursery rhymes and stories and they've lasted generation after generation. I don't know if we've gotten lazy. We haven't really come up with new ones. <laughs> new like ones tell yeah. the little piggy story, you know, the three uh -huh. pigs or the three bears or whatever that is. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm amazed they've lasted uh, the test of time as well. And they're believable. Obviously that's another important part of, uh, mm -hmm. of storytelling as well. Well, anyway, one last thing what I thought about also was how things go viral. And how, you know, it, it was uh, something about a kid, his name is Charlie, and he bit his brother's finger. And this is on YouTube, and it has, <laughs> seen it. you know, a trillion views or whatever yeah. it is. And it was just because it was a story. And I thought exactly what you just said. Whatever that did, it, it, it went viral. And that's what people are trying to capture. That's what companies and businesses are trying to capture to reach people. So, you know, it touches people, moves people, and, uh, and that's what your books do. Uh, Paul Smith, Lead with a Story, Guide to Crafting Business Narratives that Captivate, Convince, and Inspire. The other book, Sell with a Story, and How to Capture Attention, Build Trust, and Close the Sale. Get both books, and how can people reach you? You know, probably the best place is on my website, which is leadwithastory.com. They get links there to all my books and training courses and even some videos. I wish you could tell a story for an outro, but uh, you've heard it right here. It's, uh, you know, he's the best at what he does. And I uh, really appreciate you uh, sharing and being on the program. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailor solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bairdynamic.com. 
And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.